morning. Today we're going to begin looking at how does the Holy Spirit works in the life of Jesus. You see, this last uh, yesterday, I mentioned to you uh, Matthew chapter 4, and of course in Matthew chapter 4, we came to Look at the activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. First in Isaiah 7:14, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. In Luke chapter 4, yesterday I made mention and Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, led by the Spirit, and the temptations. And then he finishes on verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Luke 14, uh, one, chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 1, and chapter 4, verse 14, comes to open this Bible study so we can see clearly that Jesus was full of the Spirit, led of the Spirit, and in the power of the Spirit. Just so, just so your mind is set now to what we're going to discuss, because if you don't understand this, then we can't, we can't move forward. In Jesus being full of the Spirit, Luke 1, 4, Luke 4, 1, being full of the Spirit, returned to from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, and in verse 14, return in the power of the Spirit. It simply means that, uh, that we need, it's, it's good to look at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus and how things worked in order to sort of uh, comprehend the totality of what is Matthew speaking about. Uh, Matthew 3.16, in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, it says, in Jesus, when he was baptized a water, he came out immediately out of the water. Notice, immediately out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw. Now, this is referring, Matthew saying that John the Apostle John saw the Spirit of God descending and aligning upon him. The idea here that the baptism of the Lord by water was totally separate than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending in aligning upon him. And so, we started with uh, Luke 4, Jesus being full of the Spirit, Jesus being led of the Spirit, Jesus returning from the Jordan, 
in the power of the Spirit. And of course, the baptism of Jesus, it is the first thing. And then you have the temptations to follow. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that the Apostle John, that wrote uh, uh, the book of John, uh, now, simply says that he saw, John, the Apostle John saw, what he saw repeats itself a lot. For instance, let's take a look at, uh, and I'm talking about this morning on the move of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Eventually, looking how the gifts operate. So, and he saw the Spirit of God. So, really, he had to see, since the Spirit of God is not physical but spiritual, he saw the Holy Spirit, or saw the form of a dove. That's what Mark says and John says. He saw the form of a dove, and he saw the Holy Spirit of God descending. So it came from above. Like a dove and a lining on him, it came from above. We have to understand these things first because as we get into the miracles of Jesus, as the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit become evident in the, in the ministry of Jesus, you have to understand that how it did occur, how did it happen. And it came from above. Okay? Descending means it's not ascending. Descending. So out of the water, John saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning. So what do you mean by that? What is the word aligning here means? <clears throat> the word aligning simply says that nobody else in that group of people that were there were baptized in the way Jesus was baptized. In other words, there, there must have been about 100, 300, 500 people in the line in order for John to baptize them with water. But when Jesus came and John looked and says, the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world. What is about to happen is the water baptism for Jesus in the presence of all kinds of people and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit as He immediately came out of the water into the dry land. And the Holy Spirit aligned on Him, meaning that the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus was a personal touch. And God responded this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. So, aligning is the word here. Now, let's take a look at the beginning of the ministry for us to look, because we're going to go very slow into this, into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But uh, let's go to Matthew 4.18. Okay, it's a very important verse because it begins... It begins the ministry of Jesus, 4.18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw. Now, these are professional fishermen. They have family, they have children. And when Jesus passed by, he saw. He saw, who did he see? He saw Simon Peter. And he saw Andrew, the two brothers, sons of Zebedee. He saw the two angels, the two men. Now, 
And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately, straight away, immediately left their nets and followed him. So in this act of leaving the nets and following Jesus without even looking back to their business in the boat, the move of the Holy Spirit is obvious present because total conviction came in. Total surrender of the will of God in their lives came in. Total giving their nets, their boats, and at that particular moment turned around and never came back. So, something had to be leading the two men and something came out of the mouth of Jesus in power. Is there the operation of a gift? Well, they had to hear from the Lord. And of course, a word of knowledge to the minds of Simon, Peter, and Andrew is follow him. Follow now. I love the times when interns would come into our ministry. And I'll ask the question, did the Lord say you here? He said, Rick, I left everything at home, and, uh, and I'm here today to stay. I don't have a place to live, but I, I, want, to, I, want, I, want, to, I want to work here and be an intern. And I remember that they had no regards to personal things, no regards on how they got here, no regards on how I one came by bus. I had to go pick him up downtown. The Lord told me to come. And so, notice that now Jesus, on chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 18, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, sought two brethren. So previous knowledge had already determined in the mind of God that these two men were the ones to be the leaders of the church, Peter, James, uh, uh, John, Peter, and James. The three were the inner circle in the ministry of Jesus. But it started with Jesus seeing. Now when Jesus sees, he is led of the Spirit of God. It doesn't say here that he was led. But you got to believe on, on, on Matthew 4, uh, that Jesus was led of the Spirit of God. I mean, amen. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about Luke, Luke four. And when I say Luke four, I mean, I mean, being full of the Spirit, returned from Jordan, was led of the Spirit. Verse fourteen, Luke four, returning the power of the Spirit. So, so that's the way he, he was. As he began to fall to, to choose his disciples, he was led of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. I hope you understand that. Because when you meet someone that has a call in their lives, that has been determined to you, they're being led of the Spirit. Now, can you discern something that is occurring with you that is not from the Lord? Yes. Yes, it rattles me to no end when I see something that has nothing to do with the will of God for my life. It's very important that I have that distinction inside of me. I'm 79 years old. If I don't have that, I don't know who does it around me. I, I see that some things are not of the Lord and some things are of the Lord. So, okay, now let's move on. Jesus saw them, discerned them. Jesus said to them, Jesus said, follow me. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So, you begin to see now that being led of the Spirit, full of the Spirit, 
Uh, and in the power of the Spirit, encompasses the choosing of the disciples. You, it's there. Okay, you, you just can't quite deny that Jesus was not, not be, being led of the Holy Spirit to choose his disciples. No man will leave all his business behind and follow him immediately, right on the spot. Okay, now, let me, let me, let me continue Matthew 4. Uh, and I want to go into verse 21. And he says, In going on from there, he saw the two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee's and their father. So there are three here, uh, and they are James, they are uh, John, amen, John, James, just two, John and James. And their father. So in this case, there's a presence of a father of these boys. And I'm sure that the Lord had a purpose for him to be there in order to take care of the business in their families. So you see, there's a, there's a third person that shows up on, on, on Matthew 4.21 that we didn't see it. I didn't see it. But now as I read the text, the Lord was simply taking care of the business by, by their father. And they immediately left the ship, and they followed in their father. <laughs> and they immediately left. Matthew says this, okay, let me, uh, in verse 22 it says, And they immediately left the ship in their father. Now, leaving the ship is not a problem, but leaving the father, is, it's a psychological uh, uh, big, big, big plug here. Because you're talking about your father. You left your father and followed Jesus. And I, I don't know how that old man felt as he left, but he must have been totally surprised. Well, let me tell you how he left. He glorified God. He had to be. Because if the two, two children, now James and John, were called of God, the power of the Holy Spirit who called James and John was all over the Father. And he must have been happy to see that his children are going to follow God and stop the business of fishing. Don't you think? In other words, I don't think, I don't think that, that, that their father was totally ignored by Jesus. Okay. The idea here of a, of a call, of, of this, this impacting a call, is nothing but the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember Psalm 78, verse 70? It says, He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheep folds. That, that's, that's, uh, that's Samuel. He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfold. Saul was man's choice, while David was God's choice. And so, what I'm saying is, is that when the Lord calls, when the Lord empowers, when the Lord separates, when the Lord blesses, when the Lord is total control, the Holy Spirit does the work before you get there, after you leave. Now, I, I just want to uh, move forward because on chapter 4, the conversation simply stops. Chapter 1, Matthew 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4. Meaning that uh, the, 
the focal point of Jesus being empowered by the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, led of the Holy Spirit, okay, ends on verse, on chapter 4. Because chapter 4, all the way to chapter 5, and 6, and 7, 4, 5, 6, and 7, the last three chapters, begins to reveal activity in the, the manner in which Jesus taught the way He related to the people of God. Now, is that important? Oh, my goodness. That's very important. Because now you're going to hear the gospel from the mouth of Jesus without interruption. There are no, there are no miracles. There's no intervention of anything else. And I'll show it to you when you get when you get to ready to chapter five. Begin with the sermon on the mountain. From there, believers are salt and light. Christ and the law, Jesus in anger, restitution in prayer, Christian relationships, Jesus teaching on adultery, divorce and remarriage. Retaliation, all the way to chapter 6, giving, model of prayer. The Lord's Prayer, for instance, comes in, in Matthew 6, verse 9. And of course, worry against worry and anxiety. And suddenly, judging others. Now, at the end of chapter 7, it begins then the display of power. I love to see that because what Matthew is trying to say to us, what he's saying to us is that he separated the miracles and simply spoke as what Jesus taught. So let's take a look. Okay? Let's take a look. I don't know what you're going to choose to do, but let me just go to chapter 5 then. Remember, chapter 5, 6, and 7 are three chapters which are uninterrupted. There's nothing here as to miracles per se, nothing here as to, as to uh, uh, explaining how the mentality and the power of the Holy Spirit was working through the, mind, mind, the heart of Jesus. The three chapters are simply just the content of teaching. Now it's very important to read these three chapters the way it is because you get the idea that, that they're so diversified. Let's take a look. It takes a week to sort of a deal with this, but begins with the, the Sermon on the Mountain. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. Doesn't say which mountain. And when he was set, he sat down, which was the custom. His disciples came to him. And then it simply says that he opened his mouth. Now, the open his mouth on chapters. 5 verse 2 goes on from that chapter 5 all the way to the end of chapter 7. The, when he opened his mouth, the anointing came in and he taught in an unbelievable fashion. And so, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it begins. Now, if you, if you read the verse 3, of chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. 
And you move on to chapter 7. Chapter 7. Verse 29. You're going to see something interesting. It says, And he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So you begin the you begin the chapter you begin chapter five and he taught them and he opened his mouth and taught them saying and he speaks chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven. At the end of chapter seven, I'm repeating what I just said, you have this interesting statement on verse twenty nine, chapter seven of Matthew. For he taught them as one having authority. So, this, 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 in my Bible, is four pages of, of teaching. Is the subject for this week's teaching. Now, I want to stop uh, to move forward, because if I move forward, I'm into miracles and signs and wonders. But the teaching of Matthew is, is chapter 5, 6, and 7. And he is full of the Holy Spirit here, tell you folks. It's an amazing amount of word. So let me just spend a little time today. And of course tomorrow I'll move toward salt and light. And, and continue on chapter 5 and finish 6 and finish 7. So let me just, just uh, bless the poor in spirit. It's talking about moral, moral poverty. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom is not present spiritually now, but not yet physically. But it will come. Amen. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's not dealing not dealing with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the earth, is dealing with the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, when you are poor in spirit, you're not able to be taught the Word of God. You struggle and suffer because the preacher that you have doesn't cover these areas of importance. This is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, conscious of moral poverty. Conscious of moral poverty. Blessed are they who mourn. They grieve for personal sins. And that's something that is really powerful. What Jesus is talking now, He's talking to the people around the Lake of Galilee and the great multitudes that follow Him. So you begin to see that as soon as He begins to teach, He's personalizing the Word. And He knew what's in front of Him. One of the things that distinguishes the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a preacher is that He knows who's sitting there and their thoughts. He knows what's going on and how they think. He he He... He is a totally aware of the audience's intent. I feel that way. I can hear that way. And if I am able to do it as a simple servant of the Lord, I'm sure that many of you that are listening to me this morning do the same. You walk into an environment, and you know that environment by just feeling it in your spirit. So, blessed are those who mourn, grieve because of personal sinfulness. For they shall be comforted. What the Holy Spirit will do for those who, who properly evaluate their spiritual poverty. Blessed are those who mourn. Nothing to do with death, but to deal with the accusation, the sin that occurred that you 
wish you didn't have had the curve in your in your life, and and you mourn that situation. Okay. Then verse five, blessed are the meek, as opposed to self righteous. The first two beatitudes guarantees the meekness, for they shall inherit the earth. Speaks of the coming of the kingdom age. When the kingdom of heaven will be brought down to earth, when the saints will rule, when Christ is the supreme Lord. Verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Intense desire. Hunger that overwhelms you constantly. Okay, After righteousness, for they shall be filled. The first of all must be truly empty are all self-worthy. In other words, you've got to be hungry to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have to want it. You, you have to desire. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Want to do the best you can for the Lord Jesus. Blessed are the merciful. Beyond the thought of understanding what's in front of you. For they shall obtain mercy. To obtain mercy from God, <clears throat> we must show mercy to others. To obtain mercy from God, you must, you must show mercy to others. When you need mercy yourself, and you don't, no shape or form, forgive those who sin against you, uh, you will never receive mercy from the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart. In Mary Lucy's grave, my wife that passed away two years ago, I have uh, Matthew chapter chapter five verse eight on the stone in her in, in, in her in cemetery. It says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." Those who have received a new moral nature in regeneration, they shall see God. Notice notice the idea of seeing God. And then look at Jesus at the beginning of chapter chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And he saw. Look at Matthew chapter chapter 5, chapter 4. He saw the disciples. He saw James. He saw John. You see, he's simply saying here, For they blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hmm. Blessed are the peacemakers, pertaining to peace with God, which comes with salvation. And all who proclaim such as called peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Oh, my goodness. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Just on this verse, I believe I'm going to go to heaven, because, my goodness, I've had a share of persecution in this ministry. Verse 11, blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, and shall say all manners of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice. And so the important thing here is verse uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 5, uh, verse 10. Blessed are they who are, who are persecuted for for righteous sake, for this is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when men revile against you in person, for they shall be, for they shall all, it shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And that spends three verses on the idea of being persecuted, which is a wonderful thing to hear. All right, that's the end of Matthew chapter, at the end of, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, uh, which took verses 3 all the way to verse 12. Let me stop a minute, and tomorrow I'll continue on these three chapters, and just make comments as I go, because I want you to hear the intent one thing before I go. What did I get out of the Beatitudes? That God honors those who have been persecuted with three verses to explain what will happen to those that persecuted you. Pay attention to this. There are three verses. Verse 10, 11, and 12. And it says at the end on chapter 12, For great is your reward in heaven. Of course, you don't want to be persecuted. Look for people to persecute you. But I want you to know that uh, they do persecute me. And I, I, I see this verse as, a, as an encouragement to my life as to how I'm going to proceed in these final days. And I see that as a very powerful display uh, that God, through Jesus Christ, honors those who have, who have taken fall and have taken accusation and condemnation and physically hurt by those who persecute Christians. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.